welcome from Amsterdam, and thanks for tuning in to a new episode of Game Consultant. Your host of today is Reinout. Hello, my name is Reinout, and welcome to a new episode of Game Consultant. The following items today: startup in games. Joachim founded Next Games, and now he has a new startup. Elite game developers. Sorry for saying it wrong the first time, Joachim. Lego and games. We have two people giving me answers on some of those boring questions, as people say it. Tom and Rene. Some insights about esports from Chris Reed. I'm paying some attention to a workshop that is actually this upcoming Tuesday, the 18th. Dirk Smit of Bistec is organizing how to prepare a gaming conference. Of course, my watch list of gaming companies, Fingersoft, QD, PlaySpace. And along the way, I got a few more answers from different kind of people, which you will hear in this new episode. Before we get started, I wanted to share some quick news. For example, Andy Kleiman, he sold his company Wonder to Atari. A quote he actually put on his Instagram, since he wasn't allowed to say anything yet. I'm excited to announce that Wonder has been acquired by Atari. It's been quite a journey, and I'm looking forward to merging our amazing technology and vision with one of the most iconic brands ever. Very grateful for the experience and for everyone who joined the adventure along the way. Andy is stepping into the board of advisors. Well done, Andy. Jeff of Gamesbeat had a very interesting article this week. The amount of hours people spent watching video games on live streaming sites continues to grow. In January, that number reached 1.34 billion over Twitch, YouTube Gaming, Facebook Gaming and Mixer. That's up 17% from 1.14 billion during January 2019 according to industry tracking groups, Arsenal, and Stream Elements. Holy, holy, holy. Over the next decade, we will see the continuing trend of gaming becoming first-class social activity. Games are as much a communication platform as an entertainment experience. Set by Tim Sweeney, CEO Epic Games, DICE220. Still amazed by all those people watching hours and hours and the absolute number 1.3 billion all right let's move to matthew pocket gamer a team of former rovio and dodream game developers have secured a pre-seed investment led by play ventures for their new helsinki based mobile game studio flow state games edward he's the ceo and uh trying to get him in the show who knows maybe next week this was all for the short news. Let's go to the regular items. A new item in this show is actually startup in games. I want to do this on a more regular basis and um, talk to people that actually have founded game companies or game-related companies. Uh, figure out what was interesting, difficult, uh, the whole journey, the path to success. And uh, today I'm kicking it off with um, elite game developers. And note to myself, 
it's not Elite. And Joachim sent me an email and uh, said to me, like, hey, say it right. It's Elite. Elite, not Elite, right now. Okay, then. Here we go. Um, so I asked him a few questions. So we get a proper idea of uh, the company and Joachim, who's behind it. So who are you? Joachim, he's previously the co-founder of Next Games, currently the CEO of the Stemu, Helsinki-based. Um, you should know the company from The Walking Dead. What is Elite Game Developers? Well, it's a company that wants to help game founders. It's a solo project that he's running at the moment, and he wants to help gaming entrepreneurs in building up their gaming companies. He has no investors. He's self-funded. And uh, I did ask him, why, why are you in the gaming space? What makes it fun? I got this answer. I've always loved games as an art form, a way to create something with technology that can create emotions. And I love gaming entrepreneurship, figuring out how to create sustainable companies. Lots of love in that industry. I agree, Joachim. Lots of love. Um, some fun moments in uh, gaming? I wanted to know. Yeah, he had. The first time trying VR games and seeing a friend throw up after trying the Oculus. <laughs> Can I imagine that one? And um, Joachim, I, I had to become a bit serious. How difficult is it to start a gaming company? And he's saying it's not difficult, but it's difficult to show consistent progress. And I would agree. Mostly because you focus on a big game idea and it takes time and money to make something big. I think we all know that. It is difficult these days to get awareness, to get your game published and then get proper UA. Oh man, with a small game, you still won't be satisfied with the game. And when you put it out, you still don't get the numbers you wanted. All right. So then do you have some advice for people that are out there or have a gaming startup? My advice is that how about you focus uh, on the gaming company, not the game. What do you need to be successful? How do you need it? How much money will it cost? How can you bootstrap to launch something? And that's interesting. It's something that I hope more people, more founders will actually share with me. It is one way to another, not difficult, but it is the ongoing um, roadmap, who you work with, how to hire uh, FTEs, people that have knowledge, and obviously the funding, the funds to um, realize the roadmap. All right. Then itself, to close off this item, can you tell a bit more about the practice, like people, clients, or whatsoever? His answer is, I'm working with the idea that I want to have thousands of clients, not a few dozen, Large email list offering premium online content. For example, selling online courses to people who want to learn how to build a games company. There are thousands of people who aspire to do that. I put the podcast link of Joachim on my site, and I hope you will listen to it. And Joachim, keep us posted. I really like what you're doing. Thumbs up. Legal and games, how boring. That's what I got 
a lot of times this week. And uh, But still, I actually found two people that find legal and games very interesting, and so do I. Um, it's what they say. Um, you sign contracts and you will never see them until things go to shit. So, um, first one I actually uh, wanted to introduce to you is René, René Otto. And um, he has his own video game attorney practice, as you would call it. Um, so I did ask him actually, like, um, uh, what are you actually doing? Uh, here comes his answer. It's, uh, it's a long one, so go sit down and be ready. As a video game lawyer, he is giving advice to developers and publishers of games in the field of IP, employment and commercial contracts. A large part of their work consists of closing publishing deals, licensing deals, and other forms of collaboration. Furthermore, he's always advising clients about protection, uh, the rights of to the game, or about complying with laws and regulations, and about hiring and dismissing employees and freelancers. That sounds like a day job. The company name is Van Iersel Luchman Attorneys. Located, as I said, in the Netherlands. About 40 attorneys, I think. And um, they have a full-service legal team that is specialized in video games. The team is consistent of five people, and they all have different legal specialization. And what they have in common, is what René said, is a passion for video games. And because of that, they have a thorough knowledge about this industry and recent topics. Um, they also assist with M&A employment, corporate uh, structuring and restructuring. In fact, this week, a friend of mine is coming to Holland to set up a new company, and uh, René is assisting him with that. So I did ask, is it only Holland or abroad too? His answer, we're, we're quite active, both nationally and internationally. The largest part of our client base, of course, uh, consists of video game companies that are established in the Netherlands. Since we are Dutch attorneys, yeah, Shizzle. We can actually assist them with their legal needs, but we also in assist international clients in various matters. We help them to comply with Dutch and European law or represent them in court when a Dutch company infringes their IP. Although I got much more answers from uh, René, um, I, I actually wanted to get down to something that people always say, oh, attorneys, they're so expensive. So, um, René, are you expensive? So here comes his answer. Our firm believes that it is important to lend a hand to the video game developers in their startup phase. As a result, we offer them some free legal advice on a primary level. This means that we will not send an invoice if they call or email us with a quick question about the legal position. In the end, we will value long-term relationships and that I really like about René and his team. Um, swiftly moving on. Moving to Tom. He's been considered the gaming attorney. And he's doing this actually for a long time. The last time I actually saw Tom was uh, during a BizTech um, game panel. Ask me anything. And um, that's, a, that's a video uh, conference kind of thingy. So um, he was claiming that he was actually sitting in his underwear 
And he could because uh, the camera only showed the top of his body. Um, but you could actually ask him anything. So um, I'm trying to make this topic a bit funny because his way of answering my questions was also funny. And um, I don't have to tell you that he's very um, clever. He knows it all. He has the experience in the field of uh, uh, legal and games. I just wanted to know a bit about himself. I mean... Um, what has he been doing and how does he do it? So my first question was actually, um, you wake up, what is the first thing you do? Check, check, recheck my email. And um, before I go to the office, check it again. Then he's reviewing his calendar, his whiteboards list, and then he gets it cracking. <laughs> um, talking about something else, your most satisfactory moment Um an advice or something or whatever. Um, it was actually saying like years ago, I was playing the BF9042 Desert Combat mod with my clanmates. And I got a call to help the mod team from a studio. A great gamer lawyer moment. And as he said, there were plenty over the years. And I very much believe that. How would you describe your job or your company as such. His answer? Yeah, that's how an attorney would say it. The game attorney says it all, and I agree. <laughs> I've been representing independent game developers and middleware providers for over 25 years, over 200 studios. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll repeat, over 25 years and 200 studios. I call that experience. Is it correct that contracts are only needed when the shit hits the fan? Tom said, hopefully contracts lessen the possibility of things blowing up by clearly defining the responsibilities of the parties to an agreement. It can also be a great tool for upselling your game by amending the agreements to add more stuff to the game and more money to the budget. But of course, shit happens. And then it all falls back on the words. So there are different ways of assisting uh, a gaming studio. You could be there with advice, not only legal advice, but also what you have seen uh, throughout the years. So my question was, what are you, um, what are you actually uh, uh, offering? What kind of uh, uh, type of legal are you handling for gaming companies? I think that's a better way of, of uh, describing the question I had. Everything, he says, from employee contractor agreements to licensing agreements to publishing deals and distribution agreements. Also a great many one-off sort of agreements that startups need that are cash poor, like revenue sharing agreements, uh, contributor pools, that kind of stuff. And... As René was mentioning that also, Tom is saying the same. You know, these guys have a field of expertise and uh, experience. And, you know, what I find really, really great is that they um, are offering um, startups, smaller game developers, to actually uh, call them, email them, whatsoever, reach out through LinkedIn. You can ask them a question and they will look at you and help you in any sort of way and not right away send you a huge bill. 
So if you all know that, you could take advantage of it meant in a positive way. Funding and legal. Um, I did ask Tom, like, um, how's that going right now? And he's saying, actually, right now, there is more funding flowing into the industry than, than he has ever seen. And that means something. Competing subscription platforms, PC exclusivity deals, part Chinese wealth, renewed VC interest. So that's a good sign. And, of course, a healthy group of traditional publishers, some even looking for games to find. Um, yeah, so meaning we do have a very healthy game industry as we as we speak. So cut a, uh, rounding it up to um, to an end. Did I forget something? If you have great anecdotes, um, you know, this man can go on for days and days. Um, if you're not connected with him on LinkedIn, do so. If you need any legal advice, um, I can definitely uh, advise you to have a chat with Tom. Tom, thank you. René, you also. And um, I did promise uh, René to uh, introduce you to Tom. And Tom, I will introduce you to René. That's the gaming industry. I was doing some research about esports and I found an article written by Joshua, who is a growth consultant for B2B startups. I did ask him, do you have a top five of stunning facts around esports? He gave me five. By 2021, there will be an audience of over half a billion viewers. Millennials are one of the highest growing demographic with millennial age viewers twice as likely to watch gaming events on a streaming platform. The highest earning esports player, Johan Notel Sunstein, earned about 6.8 million in 2019. Nusu is predicting that by 2021, esports will generate more than 1.6 billion in total revenues, with 1.3 billion coming from brand investments. European revenues are to be expected to reach 138 million in 2019. Price Waterhouse Cooper estimated that. An opinion uh, that I highly evaluate when it comes to esports is uh, the opinion of Chris Reed. And um, so I, I fired a bunch of questions uh, to him and he wrapped it down actually in a sort of. Um, um, his his opinion and and it's it's interesting parts of it i actually do agree and and i love to get feedback from you guys um because esports right now it's it's big and everyone is talking about esports and parts of esports i still think um yeah what is it is it new or is it now trending uh, the e of electronic electronic games um i even saw the whole thing again with esports with capital E and then sports or uh, E capital S sports or esports just um, as 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 you write it the small capitals. Um, who cares how you write it? It's about what does it bring? Does it bring the value uh, to brands? Is it easy to become uh, a pro gamer? And um, 
And then, of course, there, there are schools. I mean, on one hand, I'm very happy. On the other hand, I'm thinking like, okay, does everyone try to get a piece of esports? So let me read up what Chris actually did read to me and um, or did write to me. Sorry for that. Um, it's impossible to know how many pro teams are out there. They pop up and disband constantly. In his opinion, he thinks that the team valuations are right now ridiculous overvalued as a whole, but that's an entirely different topic, and I agree. Maybe in a few weeks. Chances of becoming a Tier 1 pro is obviously very low, but if that player is also a content creator that provides other opportunities and revenues, so that gives them the opportunity to train harder and more effectively with his coaches and teams. I did ask him also, like, uh, what are you doing? Uh, who's Chris? And um, as far as what I'm doing and trying to accomplish in esports, one of the big things is bringing awareness and education about the space, bringing people's stories in the industry and showcasing it uh, on all of my content channels to give a tangible experience to people inside and outside the industry. He believes that there are around 200 schools. Holy crap. With a varsity sports program in the United States, and that number is growing rapidly. Some colleges are now offering bachelor programs as part of their core curriculum. Thank you, Chris, for using a very difficult word for me. <laughs> in any case, um, I found it interesting, and, and uh, I know that Chris and I had someone, el uh, someone else also ask some questions, but they were very busy this week with uh, a few deadlines that they had. Um, I'm considering actually to do interviews live or actually pre-recorded instead of reading uh, the answers I got. But, you know, this is only my fifth episode, but I, I, I think if, if I could both invite and have them talk about certain things um there is much more to it right now concerning esports and um i'm seeing some people claim that there are 19 years in esports and i'm seeing people for three years uh three years in esports and you know it's not about how long you are in esports it's about what you can bring the value that you can bring to brands it's um Interesting to see how you can create a team and um, the reach of that team. And not only the team itself, but also the individual player. And with, with anything else, it, it, it's the same. You have to put in lots and lots and lots of hours. And I always compare it. I'm from the land of Johan Cruyff. Um, we have play arts where you can play soccer all the time and People have to drag you inside, um, like Marco van Basten, one of our main attackers. Uh, he was always playing outside, and his mom had to drag him inside and get him into his bed. Um, now we have kids that are playing games and games and games. It's their play art, and they can maybe become a pro. And yeah, you can make millions, as I just said in one of the items here before. I mean... A player that is making nine million that's really freaking awesome but you know there are only a few like Johan Cruyff like a Ronaldo or a Messi
Um, yeah, the next actually um, BizTech and BizTech lately I've been working with closely with Dirk Schmidt. He's from Hamburg and um, he has now been uh, settled down on the Canary Islands for nine years. Lucky son of a bastard. Um, and he's doing BizTech and um, this uh, Tuesday um, we are organizing an, uh, a workshop how to prepare uh, for GDC and other conferences. And I have the link for uh, participating uh, in this workshop in, uh, on Tuesday uh, on my site, so you can actually have a look. Um, it started when we have a discussion, uh, Dirk and I, um, and we were talking about experiences, how we were visiting large trade fairs and, and um, how you need to schedule really in time uh, with the right people. Otherwise, yeah, uh, it's a loss on both sides. Um, you know, uh, the conferences are becoming bigger and bigger. You have to walk uh, from one spot to another. So time management is everything, I would say. But also fun, we have Brian. Uh, Brian is responsible for GDC Play, and he will talk about the benefits uh, of GDC. Obviously, there is that lingering thing. Um, the Mobile World Congress was cancelled, and, and will GDC still happen? Uh, I hope it does, and, and obviously I hope to uh, see you guys over there. Um, so... Um, Let's let's kick it off Tuesday with that uh, workshop, and uh, the registration is is completely free. It's uh, GMT time, uh, five p.m. on Tuesday, and I hope to see you guys there. So the last item of today, and um, we're having a bit of a longer show today. Uh, normally we were around 15, 16 minutes, and people said, well, you could actually make it longer. Let's try for half an hour, and, and I'm thinking I'm good to go on the 30 minutes. So anyways, um, the three companies of today, Fingersoft, QD, and Playspace. Let's kick it up with Fingersoft. Uh, Celine has become the new CEO over there, and Fingersoft... Um, it's uh, the most northern game studio in the world. Hey, how about that for a fact? Um, just 170 miles south of the Arctic Circle in Ulu, Finland. And um, they're best known for the mobile smash hits of uh, hill climb racing and yeah, hill climb racing too. Uh, combined about 1.4 billion installs. Um, company was founded in 2012. They have about 63 people in two offices, Ulu and Helsinki, of course. Uh, revenues, very profitable, around uh, 20 million in revenues, so doing well. And I did ask him also about the 220 challenges and opportunities. And um, as for the challenges, they've done a lot of internal changes last year and now finding a stable environment. Use requisition is something new for them, but they're... They're going to learn. They're going to learn it fast. Uh, I'm really confident about that. Opportunities. Growing current games more and opening new markets. And working on new titles and seeing where those will take us. 
I uh, wish Shalene and the team uh, lots of success and uh, go kick it in 220. The second company, Cutie, um, Tim Wilson. He's calling himself the Englishman in New York. He uh, passed a law degree. He's uh, quite keen on guitar, likes uh, Jimi Hendrix. And, um, you know, I basically said, can you answer these uh, questions in short? Well, <laughs> that's about two pages. Thank you for that, Tim. Um, he actually co-founded uh, the company together with his CTO, Flint Barrow. Um, Cutie, what is it? A social asking comments and polling platform. He adds to it that it's uh, powered by AI analytics, power to the data. That's uh, how you can quickly say it. Um, they have some investors and um, <clears throat> they're signing up quite a few companies lately. Um, the interesting part is, is that I, um, I know Tim for quite a while and uh, he also showed up at some BizTech um, video conferences. Um, what do I like about the company? It's, um, it's interesting because he's basically uh, using EA as a company that uh, is and has been working with QD. And it's about quickly getting answers from a target audience that normally would take weeks, months. So it's a startup. Um, and that means that, uh, it's, it's, it's bootstrap. But, um, as they say, the public can filter thousands of comments with a click instead of scrolling. And brands collect all the insights of social media, can't provide, and in seconds download a comprehensive insights report. I think that basically is saying it all. Um, I know that Tim is still racing. And um, I think he's also uh, involved in the panel of BizTech this upcoming Tuesday. So another reason maybe to join and um, connect with him. Cutie. The last one of today's PlaySpace. My good friend Alfonso, he started the company back in 2011. It was an incubated company um, with the help of Mola a Spanish incubator and accelerator. Later on, uh, People Fund uh, joined the company as an investor. They, um, they're located on Mallorca. Yeah. So work hard, play hard, I would say. Um, some financials on the company, they uh, had in 2019 a 40% uh, year-on-year growth. They're profitable. And uh, of course, the plan is to keep that revenues growing and the profitability too. Local Bingo is their flagship and they have some outstanding KPIs. And um, what is there more to say? Oh yeah, play it hard, play it together, play it fresh, play it fun, play it easy. Um, what is fun about PlaySpace? They, um, um, they changed the design, the logo, the whole, the whole company, visuals, sites, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they worked with a Finnish company called The Sexy Beast. And, man, I do love it. Um, 
What is there more to say about the company itself? I think about, yeah, right now, 40 employees, nine years in the industry, and they want to maintain a startup philosophy as much as they can to keep pushing the train, as they call it. Funny, it's it's how they are defining themselves. Here it goes. At PlaySpace, we fight for what we love. We embrace challenges as opportunities and know that none of us is as good as all of us. We keep it flowing to deliver fun under the sun. Welcome to Mallorca, baby. Um, so how's the year 2020 looking for you? New games, blah, 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 blah. Come on, give me the answer. And so he said, main focus for this year is to raise the bar of the production value of our main games. At the same time, we're working on Bingo Dreams with a Z, a new social bingo game uh, that has been soft uh, released this year and with great early day retention KPIs. That's good shizzle. So people have a good look on and a watch on PlaySpace, Mallorca. All right. Um, I think that basically covers it all for today. Um, as said, I'm thinking I'm doing about 30 minutes. Um, I already got a few WhatsApps. LinkedIn reached out to me and emails. Uh, this is Sunday, Sunday, February 16th. Normally you do it on Saturday. Um, yes, I'll always will do it on Saturday, but I had a very uh, nice excuse on this one. Yesterday was the birthday party of my son, Sebastian. He has been, well, he is turning actually 11 tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, February the 17th, is his birthday. Um, he's turning 11. Yesterday, um, he had great fun. Uh, was picked up by uh, a limo and brought to a place where they could do paintball outside. And it has been going on with his friends for the whole day. And in the evening, I still have kids walking through uh, everywhere where I didn't want to have them to walk. So uh, no chances for me to actually uh, do the podcast and get things written down. So as a matter of fact, it's now Sunday, uh, set, Sunday the 16th. And um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for everyone who helped out here. Uh, with um, with the answers and uh, as said, uh, I wish you a good week and uh, love to you all. Bye bye. This was all for today. Thanks so much for listening to Game Consultant. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. And remember, do share this podcast with other members of the games industry.